Welcome back to Lessons of a Former Pastor's Wife. I'm Amy Kennedy, and I'm your host. I want to thank you for joining us for the second part of our podcast with my special guest, Teresa Dean. Well, Teresa, I want to thank you so much for sharing your story with all of us. Uh, by sharing our stories, I do believe, and I know you believe this as well, because we've talked about it so many times, but we're a community. And by sharing our stories, we're helping to inspire other people. And while I do not even slightly am I not even able to comprehend the pain that losing a child can cause in any person's life. Um, I really admire you for continuing to press into God and um, finding a way to allow yourself to grieve and to become stronger and also recognizing that this is a very traumatic event. And I want to point out that I do have a guest coming on my show here not not long from now who also lost a child. Uh, but your search, your situation is is very different than what the the vast majority of us go through. I'm including my own health issues because I had diagnoses. Um, the hardest time for me was in 1996 when I almost died of vasculitis, and I shared that in an earlier podcast. Uh, but there were about three weeks that they didn't have a diagnosis for me. Right. Your situation, we have juvenile diabetes that slowly destroyed your daughter's body. And uh, a new form of juvenile diabetes that's still being researched and out there today. Um, and the pain of not really knowing what was going on. Uh, I know you had a lot of supporters during that time and a lot of people praying for you, but I know that it was hard for people to actually understand how to support you. So can you give us who are listening to you advice in how to support parents who are going through horrific situations with their children? Uh, yeah, I could give you some advice. One of the things my mother-in-law was like the greatest supporter to me. She was just amazing. I mean, she would step in. Rachel was more, obviously more op open to her. She was grandma to her, you know, her being around, but um, just the things that she did, knowing our needs. Um, when we were transporting Rachel back and forth to um, Cleveland Clinic, my mother-in-law actually helped us out and gave us a van because Rachel had to lay down in the back. She couldn't sit up to, to travel. It just, she was so sick all the time. I mean, I literally had days where she would be laying on a quilt and diarrhea would be pouring out of her body just so that so that she could rest instead of sitting on a toilet. Um, so it was, there was always just this, you know, this awful stuff, but she was the, you know, she'd get us something to eat or she'd bring food over or something, you know, just out of the blue. And it's hard for a family that's dealing with something that's so personal, what Rachel had was so personal and she was an adult. So this was very difficult for her to have to share what was, what was really going on in her body. But um, one of the, the 
best things that I think that you can do for somebody, especially if you're close enough to understand what's going on is to maybe, you know, give a gift card for them to have something to eat or say, Hey, can I bring you, you know, pizza or something tonight or, you know, or, um, a gas card is a big deal because when you're traveling back and forth for medical treatments and things, the expense is overwhelming. Um, just the pacemaker alone, just sitting inside the little box without somebody walking down the hall with it was $40,000. And that was in uh, 2000 and uh, gosh, nine, 2009, or I, I think, I, yes, 2009, October, 2009. That, um, so I can't imagine what the cost of that would be today. Um, but it just, just the cost. Unfortunately, we had insurance for that part of it, but the, you know, there's always all these other costs that your your family's just not expecting. You know, funeral costs, <laughs> things like that. I just you, you just can't even imagine what what you're going what a family's going through. But if you can help, you know, what may seem like insignificant things to you can mean everything to them. Also, try to be understanding. Don't pass judgment. Don't think that because you're not getting all the details that that family's doing something wrong. I guarantee you, you have no clue what's going on in a family's life. Now I'm a very private person. I don't step out and share very readily with everybody what's going on right immediately with me. I'm not good at that. Um, I can share things that have happened in the past pretty easily, but I'm not able to share what's currently happening, you know, um, to go and tell everybody. I, I don't like the Facebook stuff that we're, we're, all the di- you know, all the things happen on Facebook and, and, you know, every, every detail of somebody's life is told and they have no control over it. Rachel is one of those people. I, I just not, I'm not good at that. It's not that I think it's bad that somebody else does it. It's just hard for me. I could not do that. And I couldn't be that person that, you know, that told everybody and kept people updated all the time. I'm like, this is what's happening. But, um, so maybe in some ways that's my fault because I, I'm not able to share that way. I've never been able to do that very well, but, um, just realize that if somebody tells you something that they're going through like that, that you might want to take it a little more seriously possibly and know that, that, you know, um, I don't know because I don't know how a person could possibly know what we were going through if I didn't tell them. So I, you know, like I said, being as private as we are, sometimes it's, I think being a ministry sometimes is a little bit more difficult too, because you tend to guard your life a little more closely um, just because I don't know. You could because you're you're used to dealing with other people's problems. You're not always used to sharing your own, you know. And so ministry that's that's a difficult thing. We also had. Um, I was just thinking about even whenever Scott had COVID and nearly died from it. Jeff Fletcher, you know, um, he called Scott in the hospital. He checked up on him. That was pretty incredible to me that that he did that. You know, people checking up on you sometimes just I don't know makes a difference. Um, so. I don't know what else to, to say about that. There, this, there's just, just support, just notice, I guess, just notice and support, you know, and try not to be offended if uh, you're not, if, if I'm, you know, I'm not able to go do something with you immediately or whatever, you know what I'm saying? It's because, you know, it's not that you're being rejected. It's that I just am worn completely out and I'm not, and I'm in every way, not just physically, there's an emotional exhaustion and a spiritual exhaustion in a, you know, that's whenever you really, really at that point need to see God show up. And sometimes you're the representative of God and just think about what, you know, what you can do and not be intrusive, of course, you know, but just to let, just let people know that you're there. And, you know, when Scott was sick with COVID, this is another thing. I was tired and worn out from taking care of him and uh, a couple of people from our church, um, Tim and Monica Stein 
not came and brought groceries and they even helped me set up my swimming pool so that I could have a place to relax. Things like that sound crazy, but that is like, you know, and, and I felt so selfish for them helping me do that with the, with the swimming pool. But that was the, that was the greatest blessing to me because I actually had a place to just go take a moment to relax. And it was, it was huge to me, you know? So I'd say things like that are, are you know, pretty incredible. So Absolutely. I know that whenever I was going through a lot of my health issues, we had incredible people who gave gift cards to my family to be able to eat and just going to McDonald's, you know, just uh, definitely right. reaching out. I do want to point one thing out really quickly, too. And that's the scripture, Matthew 7, 1, judge not lest ye be not judged. It is so easy for people who have never been through a health situation or a health crisis to not understand and then to turn around and be judgmental. And I know you faced your fair share of that because you and your husband, Scott, are in the public eye in ministry. Uh, and I want to reach out to my listeners and just remind you, you don't know the whole story. And by even having a judgmental heart at home and not saying something to the family that's going through it uh, can affect the way you talk to them when you see them. So open up your heart to the possibility that just because you as a listener who may not have ever been through something so significant as a health crisis, you don't understand what a family is going through or what that person is going through. So please hold back judgment, pray about it and pray for ways to be a blessing instead of someone who automatically assumes like was assumed with Rachel that she was anorexic on top of everything else when she had legitimate health concerns. And it takes time for the physicians to figure out what's going on. Um, she was multiple organ failure, and that is not because of poor care or any fault of Rachel's. It is because of the disease that was in her body. Right. And I commend you, you and Scott, the strength that you have had. Can you give us a little bit of detail in how you and your husband and your children have um gotten through this horrible grief and some of the um, techniques and maybe counseling, some of the things that you have done to help not only build your relationship with God, but get you through something that is so traumatic and, and heartbreaking. Well, one of the things um, I think that this helped a lot, um, Hannah and I both have gone through uh, counseling and uh, grief therapy. Um, it, it was a, quite a blessing to both of us. One of the things that I think I, I and probably a lot of people have is a misconception is that therapy somehow shows that there's a weakness. And I think possibly even for myself before this, I wouldn't have thought it of someone else, but I think I thought that I was given in and that I couldn't deal with it on my own. After going through grief therapy and finding out that because of other traumas in my life, some abuse and stuff that I'd gone through, that I actually have complex PTSD and I'm not surprised. I actually realized that about myself, but I thought I could handle it. And after going through this therapy and dealing with trauma therapy, I've realized that for a very long time, I could have found some real relief and understood parts of myself that I really 
could not understand until I had gone through that. There was a lot of guilt and a lot of um, self-condemnation for ways that I felt about myself, you know, not just felt about myself. I, I felt badly about myself, like I had created all this trouble or something. And I realized that that was not what it was, that a lot of my situations, things that I'd gone through, they, they had to do with trauma responses. And um, I know that's get open in a whole nother can of worms, but um, I'm not trying to do that. But I just really think therapy is in a, from a Christian perspective, I think because you do give people quite a bit of access to your mind whenever you are in therapy. So you need to make sure that your counselor is somebody I would think that specializes in what you're going through, particularly if you're going through grief or illness or um, any kind of trauma. You need to find somebody who actually specializes in those areas because, like I said, they do have quite a bit of control over your mind. So you want to make sure that the person you choose to do therapy with is um, a person that you can trust with that part of your yourself. Um, another thing, one of the things that we that I learned to cope with is um, – it was very interesting. And I'm going to tell you this little story real quick. I went to a women's conference. I did not want to go to, I was worn out. I'd been taking care of Rachel for a while and I felt bad about leaving. And, um, Scott was going to take care of her. And I said, okay, I'll go to this woman's conference. And I had been listening to this song and she was a new singer at this time, Laura story. And probably a lot of people know the song. Um, what if your blessings, um, I can't even think of the words now all of a sudden, um, Right. What if your blessings come like raindrops? What if your healing comes through tears? And it was not a concept that I think I could have completely understood until I realized that my greatest blessings were the greatest pains that ever happened in my life. And we skip that a lot of times in Christ the Christian world. We have a tendency to think that the blessings are the, the fun things or the happy things when I think that those are just um, perks. I don't necessarily consider them all the blessings. I consider them perks. The blessings come. God blesses us through drawing us closer to him and to draw us closer to him. Sometimes he allows things to happen so that we can see him more clearly. And that has been the greatest blessing to me. Even though losing my daughter was the hardest thing in the world. It's been the greatest blessing to me because it has changed my faith. It's enhanced my relationship with God. It's enhanced my relationship with those that I love. And therapy has helped me to be able to feel out how to, how to go about that in a better way and not be ashamed or feel guilt or to feel um, upset with myself with, about the way things went because I had no control over those things. And, um, you know, she was sick. There was nothing I could do about it. She died while I was away from the hospital. I didn't do something on purpose to not be there. It just happened. It's the, what it was. It's the healing afterwards and the showing up of the people that helped me. My sister-in-law was there that day and I just sat there and cried on her shoulder. I'm not good at doing that with anybody, but she was there. She also is a beautician and she went in and with Rachel, she fixed her hair. Her and my niece went and fixed Rachel's hair when she was at the morgue, at the, at the funeral home. That is incredible to me because I could not have done that. And I just, for somebody to do something like that for me was, it's beyond words. Those are the blessings. Those are the things that I saw were the people that loved and did things that were unsafe. They cleaned my bathroom for pity's sake. And it was bad. So I'm really bad about it because I hadn't been able to do a lot of stuff. I was taking care of somebody that was ill and uh, little things like that, that you just, you just can't even comprehend and you can't even know what to what you would need until they just fill fill that need. They just show up and there they are. 
You know, when my brother was killed, I had uncles that just came and stood in the living room. And it was like having guards at the temple gates. I felt their safety and security and they didn't have to say a word. You know, um, my uncle Roy came and came to the house and the tenderness in him towards my dad. And he, he called my husband because he, I was having a hard time. I couldn't, I couldn't deal with it. And he called my husband and just those little things. And you don't know, you think that those little things are nothing. I mean, it was nothing probably for him to call my husband. It was nothing for them to come stand there. They would do it in a heartbeat. But for me, it meant absolutely everything. And so if you think it's too little to do, do it anyway. If it's something that it, it's just, I guarantee you those little things mean something. And the, like I said, those blessings, those blessings from those hard, hellacious times that we go through, I call them, I say they're, they're beautiful, awful, horrible, wonderful blessings that God gives us. And as awful as they feel, the incredible outcome, if you allow them to be used as tools to help you others, and in, instead of a weapon to destroy yourself will make all the difference in your world. Don't allow things to turn inward. Seek help. Find counseling. Seek out somebody who's been through it. it you know, they do support groups. You know, it's just me being somebody that's, that's lost somebody. Um, I really appreciated my therapist. I'm not real good at going and sitting in a support group because I like to help everybody else. And so that, that's not really helpful to me. Find a place where you can actually seek healing, a place where you feel that you can feel, find comfort. That's what, that's what I'm, what my word of advice would be. And you had asked me to point out that scripture again, it's second Corinthians one. And I I'd say probably the first, you know, eight to 11 verses, something like that is, is the main crux of what I was uh, talking about there. But uh, you can read all of second Corinthians you want to. I'm sure the whole thing's really, really great. <laughs> so, anyway. And one of the things that you said earlier on when you would encourage Rachel when she was really struggling, um, I would love it if you could repeat it as an encouragement to me personally okay. and the life that I find myself currently living. Uh, yeah. And I'm sure that my listeners would also love to hear just a reminder of what you used to say to Rachel when she was low. Yeah, I just tell her. I'd say, Rachel, we, you have two choices, up or down. And I said, down's not a choice. We have to keep moving. We have to keep moving. We cannot stop. And that's when, when you stop moving, um, that's when you can't look up anymore. You have to keep looking up. You got to keep looking up. You got to keep going, even when you don't want to go. And I used to call it little victories, you know, even after she passed away. I could have sat in my chair and wasted away. I, I would have been okay with that at times and just sat there. But um, I would think that I have to get up and do something little. I could see something sitting across the room that needed to be cleaned up. And I would make myself get out of the chair, go move that dish, put it in the kitchen, go take that towel and fold it. By the time I folded that towel, there'd be another one sitting there and I could fold another one and another one. And if I could get a one load of laundry folded, then I had created a victory and I, and I was overcoming. So even if you just see one little thing to do, do it, just do it, pick yourself up and do it. It's hard to do. I know it's hard to get out of the chair when you feel, when you feel like your world's been ripped out from under you, just get up and do it anyway, you know, and it, it's not easy. I'm not saying it's easy. It's not easy. Yeah. yeah. Do you have any final words that you want to encourage us with? 
Um, I, th- I don't know. Just like I said, just keep looking forward. Just keep looking up. God's there. You just have to keep looking. You just have to keep looking and know he's there. Just remember that a lot of times we think that the everything's so dark and um, and it feels dark. But I promise you that God is there. Even even whenever you're dying, God is there. And there there's he's got you. He has you, you know, just like with Rachel. One of the greatest things for her was knowing that um, when we talked about her, she wanted she had always told me that she wanted to die for Jesus and she didn't understand why that didn't happen. And I told her, I said, Rachel, you, you are dying for Jesus. I said, you're suffering. You understand him more than anybody else can understand Jesus suffering. And I said, you have you're given your life so that all of us have a greater and stronger faith. And because of her death. We honor God more and we honor his faithfulness because we saw what he did. I mean, he did incredible things. And I, I mean, I, I could tell you more, but he, he just, trust me when I tell you, he just did things over and over and over again. Even what he's doing in the lives of my children now, just, it kind of blows me away. And uh, he's also given me a comfort. It's not that I don't miss her, but God has given me a comfort that I'm, I'm at peace with her, her passing. I'm at peace with it. And uh, I miss her greatly. I'd love to talk to her. You know, she could tell me what to do and how to s- stop acting like a jerk sometimes like she used to. But, you know, um, I miss her, but I'm very much at peace with it. I love God for what he's done. And I'm, you know, also I'm thankful for the timing because it was if she lasted through that next year, she might have lost limbs. Um, she didn't. Um, because she would have, we would, she would have been in the hospital without us. She might've died then and we wouldn't have been able to have a funeral or anything. And I'm just very thankful for that, for my family, you know, not that other people haven't gone through that because I know they did, did. And that I know that was hard on them, but they have their own stories. You know, each of us have our own story. Um, mine's not yours and yours is not mine. You know, God calls us to different, different places to comfort others. He does. So. Well, I want to thank you for sharing your story with us. Well, you're very welcome. And I, it, it, sorry for rambling, but it's, it's kind of a difficult story to share. So anyway, you were wonderful. Thank you. I love you very much and really appreciate your being on our podcast today. I love you too, Amy. Thank you. Thank you for joining us on Lessons of a Former Pastor's Wife. If you are going through a struggle right now, if you're going through deep grief, as these last two podcasts have highlighted, I ask you to do a little bit of research for yourself and find the best way of caring for yourself. That might be through professional help. You may need to see your physician and temporarily go on medications to get you through the difficult phase of what you may be going through. But I do want to encourage you to reach out. Don't isolate yourself. Don't allow yourself to spiritually and mentally die because your circumstances are so overwhelming. 
May God bless each of you listening. And if you're ready to share your story, I pray that you will consider emailing me at formerpastorwife at outlook.com. I want to be there to pray with you and encourage you. And maybe you would be willing to share your story with our community of listeners. Many blessings and my love to you all.